0: And it's a joy for me to talk to you this morning about engaging Scripture faithfully. And one way for us to think about engaging Scripture faithfully and the extent to which we are engaging Scripture faithfully is to think about how voices from the Scriptures themselves talk about the Scriptures and invite us, or in some cases, command us outright to engage the writings that are collected in the library of books we call the Holy Bible, the sacred books. Psalm 119 has a lot to offer us in this regard. It has a lot to offer, period. It's 176 verses long. And so we read. No, just kidding. We're not going to read 176 verses. A good number of its verses, however are specifically about scripture, which for this author primarily means the law of Moses. And the first thing the author wants to tell us about scripture is that it is a marvel. Oh, how I love your law. I ponder it all day long. I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great treasure. I pant with open mouth because I long for your commandments. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Has this guy even read Leviticus? A treasure? Something to long for like cold water in the desert sun? Something worth turning over and over in one's mind throughout the day when there are fun things to do, like scrolling through social media and arguing with strangers or streaming Netflix? Yes, this guy knows the whole law code by heart and loves to think about it. Can't wait to get back to it. Finds nothing more nourishing for the health of his soul and his well-being than God's ordinances. Scripture is a marvel to those who engage it faithfully. The psalmist wants us to know opening up the Bible is worth your time. There are treasures inside. Even the passages that trouble us, startle us, make us slam the book closed with a no way are treasures because they exercise us in the ways that God knows that we need to be exercised. They stretch us in the ways God knows we need to be stretched to make room for what he wants to fashion in us and among us. Opening up the Bible is a really good use of your time because it holds this promise. The more we internalize it, the more we allow these words to become the words that we say to ourselves throughout the day, to become the self-talk that is always running in the background of our minds and shaping how we take in or respond to what's right in front of us. The more we do that, the more our thoughts, words, and actions will become pleasing to God. As the psalmist says, I treasure your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. But the psalmist doesn't just marvel passively at the words of scripture. In fact, he has only discovered that they are a marvel because he walks in the ways that they outline. And these paths have led him to good places because he has found that all along he has been walking with God. Thus he writes the best-known verse from this psalm. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Scripture illumines his path. It shows which ways not to go. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your ordinances, for you have taught me. It shows the way forward, the way in which to go. When I think of your ways, I turn my feet to do your decrees. I run in the way of your commandments because you have enlarged my understanding. Note the psalmist's emphasis in these verses. He does not talk about the scriptures as if they are given primarily to illumine how we should think. Or what we should believe or affirm about this thing or the other thing. Or what values we should claim we support. They illumine how we should walk. If the psalmist didn't give feet to his faith in the word, he would have gotten nowhere. And yes, the 613 stipulations found in the law of Moses, I didn't count them myself, I googled it, and I believe it. The 613 uh, stipulations in the law of Moses were given to be put into practice, and thus to take God's historic covenant people, Israel, somewhere to a specific destination. It would be easy to mistake the law of Moses, and by extension, the rest of what we call scripture, for a static Rule book. It would be far truer to regard them as a set of directions, a map that leads somewhere. The commandments, the rules, illumine a path to follow and paths not to follow. They were given to make of ancient Israel a distinctive kind of community, one in which everyone put their neighbor's well being ahead of profit. One in which foreigners could sojourn safely rather than be victimized. One in which everyone understood that each person's enjoyment of the blessings God intended for all to enjoy had to be safeguarded by the whole community. That wasn't how the Israelites started out. It wasn't what the Israelites saw modeled in any of the societies that they displaced or that continued to go on around them. It was someplace God promised to take them if, and only if, each one of them committed to walk in the ways of God's commandments, as our psalmist did. Scripture is most faithfully and fruitfully engaged When it is regarded not as a rule book, but as a roadmap to a destination that is passionately to be desired. For us, who have been taken into God's new covenant in Christ, this is the destination of the new person. It is the destination of a community that reflects the wholeness and the reconciliation that God would love to work among all human beings but is determined to do so abundantly and fully within the community that is called by his name. It is, in the end, the destination of blamelessness, of being found without blemish before our Lord at his coming. We look now primarily to the instructions of Jesus and of his apostles for the light to illumine our path. Do we understand what a treasure these instructions are? What value they have for us if we turn our feet toward the path they lay out for us? If we keep our steps from every path that they identify as dead ends. There's another way of thinking about the illumination that the scriptures provide. James, the half-brother of Jesus, suggests the metaphor of the mirror. In the first chapter of his letter, we read, Be people who put the word into practice, and not people who just listen to it and delude themselves. Because someone who hears the word without putting it into practice is like a man who looks at his natural likeness in a mirror. For he takes a good look at himself and then, as soon as he walks away, forgets what kind of person he is. But those who look intently into the perfect law of freedom and stay with it, not as forgetful listeners, but as doers who put into practice, these people will be blessed because of what they have done. What do we do in front of a mirror? I imagine that most of us look into a mirror to get our appearance just right. To make sure that the me I present to the world is the me I want to present to the world. To identify any problems or issues that need attention, like trying to get that pesky eyelash out of one's eye, or plucking those stray hairs from eyebrows, or noses, or worse. I don't spend a lot of time in front of a mirror. Some of you will think, yeah, I get that impression. (laughs) Ten seconds in the morning to make sure all my hairs are going in the same direction. Three minutes twice a week to shave. A quick glance after brushing to make sure I got all the toothpaste drippings out of my beard. That's about all I need. But while we take for granted that we need to spend however much time in front of our mirrors at home? Do we also understand how much more important it is for us to spend time looking into the mirror of the scriptures? We look into our mirrors every day, even though from day to day we don't change much, and rarely for the better when we do. Do we grasp the importance of looking into the mirror of the scriptures day by day? I'm obviously not talking about reading the scriptures for information here. If you think that you have a reasonable grasp of what is in scripture, that's fabulous. But scripture isn't done with you. And you're not done with scripture once you have some familiarity with its contents. I'm talking about reading the scripture with a view to our ongoing formation with a view to letting the scripture read you as you ponder its words. Let it show you what you still are, that God would have you stop being. Let it show you what you are becoming, that God would have you become more and more. The psalmist prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let God use scripture to diagnose your condition and prescribe its remedy. It's easy to use scripture to identify where others are failing to live in alignment with the righteousness and the holiness God seeks for his people. And in some instances, it might be important for us to do so if our goal is healthful intervention in the lives of those others. But in the end, that activity will not profit us as much as engaging the scriptures to discover with the ears of our spirits attentive to God's spirit, what kind of people we are called to be as people of the new covenant. James employs the image of the mirror to spur us on to doing precisely what the psalmist did as he applied himself to walk in the path that the scriptures illumined as, in the end, the most advantageous path for him to walk in. Be people who put the word into practice, not people who, who just listen to it and delude themselves. Listening to and nodding in approval at the scriptures is worthless, apart from putting it into practice. When that happens, the image of what we ought to be, that we see reflected in the word, becomes what we actually are. And that is the destination that God, through his word, desires to bring us to, both as individual disciples and as a community of disciples together. So when you look into the word, don't be like the guy who looks at himself in the mirror and forget what he looks like as soon as he walks away. I'm like that. I look in a mirror... As soon as I walk away, in my head, I'm George Clooney. (laughs) So I, I, I have trouble keeping the real image in my head. But when we look into the word, we need to plant some part of that image. God would have us reflect firmly in our minds and carry it with us throughout the day. So that at the end of the day, we will have made that image more a part of who we are. Carry a verse. They're not that heavy. Or even a piece of a verse in your mind and hold it before yourself throughout the day. Make it the thing on your to do list that you will do or will be as you move through everything else on your to do list. And just as surely as the law of Moses was the mandate for the people of the old covenant, as the psalmist well understood and joyfully embraced so the instructions of Jesus and his apostles and the light of the law of Moses refracted through their teaching remains the mandate for us, the people of the new covenant. I keep coming back in my mind to these words of Jesus with which Luke shows Jesus closing the sermon on the plain. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord and not doing what I say? everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what such people are like. They're like those who, when building a house, dig and go deep and plant the foundation upon the bedrock. And when the floodwaters came and the river slammed against that house, maybe here I should say the storm surge slammed against that house it was not strong enough to shake it because it had been built well. But the one listening and not putting into practice is like a person building a house on the surface of the ground without a foundation, against which the river burst and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was complete. It means nothing to confess that Jesus is Lord if we are not going to place ourselves under his authority to tell us how to live together as God's people, if we're not going to seek out how we can most fully live out his instructions rather than seek out with our many rationalizations how we can most fully excuse ourselves from living out his instructions. If you already make time each day to shine the light of God's word onto your path and into your heart, you are already practicing what might be the single most important spiritual discipline for your growth into the new creature that God would make of each of us by his spirit. If you don't, would you try it out for a month or for a season and test whether you might indeed walk more securely in the path that leads to the righteousness of God come alive in you because you are shining the light of God's word on your path more consistently. You can follow Pastor Denville's plan to read through the New Testament over the course of this year, letting it also read you. I've created another list that you might consider, a list of paragraph-sized passages that I found particularly useful as a mirror, both for discerning blemishes and for capturing the image of the person we are called to become. These are, of course, far from the only options. The important thing is to seize some plan and make a fresh beginning. In the end, what will matter is that we have been found to have run the way of God's commandments, to have given ourselves fully to God's transformative work within us. And it is by faithfully engaging the scriptures, marvel that they are, as our map, our mirror, and our mandate, that we position ourselves most reliably to arrive at that enviable destination.